From the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University, welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our broadcast and cinematic arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Joining me today on Depth of Field is Jamie Westrick. She's a 2002 grad of the BCA program, and currently she's serving as Chief Philanthropy Officer at Michigan Humane. Jamie, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Patty. Thanks for having me. It's so great to see you. So good to see you. I can't believe it's been 20 years since I was at CMU, um, but time flies. I feel like it was just yesterday I was seeing you around Moore Hall. It can't be 20 years. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) So you've had an interesting career post-CMU. You've mainly worked with nonprofits, and right now you're at Michigan Humane. And what exactly does the chief philanthropy officer do? Yeah, so I oversee all of our fundraising. Uh, A nonprofit is a dedicated 501c3, or designated rather, and uh, we're mainly supported by the community. And here at Michigan Humane, our fundraising goal annually is $15.5 million, and that's from individuals, corporate support, foundation support, estate giving through someone's legacy and estate, uh, and then the balance of our budget rounding out at about $24 million comes from animal adoptions as an earned revenue stream, as well as our clinics and services through our veterinary care. And so the fundraising aspect is a huge part of us being able to serve our mission. And the role really is about building um, and overseeing the strategy of a team. So I manage a team of 15 and uh, spanning from our direct mail program, our online giving and support, um, working very closely with our marketing team and our leadership team um, from a program standpoint and really communicating what we're doing, how we're measuring success, and then how we connect that um, with support of individuals and uh, stakeholders. And then we have a major gift team, uh, foundation and corporate team, And uh, it really is a a team sport and effort when you think about fundraising. And it's a big communication effort, too, because um, we just launched a vision and commitment to moving Metro Detroit from one of the least pet-friendly communities in the country to the most humane community by 2030. And uh, this effort is under the campaign of building a more humane community. And with that, we launched a $16.5 million fundraising campaign um, to coincide in in accomplishing just that. And so it really was working with our program team, working um, on the vision and and the metrics. and, And that's something that we're doing every day from a fundraising standpoint. It seems like it's a particularly challenging position, not only having to raise money to support all of these efforts, but also to raise awareness and perhaps change attitudes in some people's minds along with that to become a more humane community. It seems like a lot that you need to take on with this. It is. I would say it's really complex, right? And you've got to have the energy for it. You've got to have the passion and excitement for the work. 
And that's something I feel fortunate in um, bringing is, you know, not only the uh, experience and expertise in building, you know, new programs and support, but being able to communicate them in a meaningful way. And, you know, the complexities in, in reaching those goals, that's what drives me every day is um, how, how, to, how to make that happen and continue to set the bar higher. When you were a student at CMU, majoring in broadcast and cinematic arts, did you ever think that this is the job that you would have? No, not in a million years. So I uh, graduated from CMU. I went into radio sales, which was uh, an intentional path for me in terms of revenue development. And then from there, I landed at Detroit Public Television, the PBS affiliate, and also um, managing a classical and jazz radio station. And so my first job there was marketing and uh, developing pledge content for fundraising programs in our national division out of Detroit. And from there, it launched into producing those fundraising programs and then overseeing the P&L for all of our local production and national production. And uh, from there, moving into development. And so it, it really was through relationship management and understanding revenue development that has been at the core of my experience and my journey, but also, you know, the communication aspect and really marketing a message in all of those aspects is just, it's fascinating that it came together in animal welfare. Um, and I think it's, it's been those experiences that have prepared me for this role. And at the same time, um, joining a team here at Michigan Humane to really shift the, the perception of animal welfare because there are many perceptions over the course of our 145 years that we've moved well beyond in the last you know, five to seven years. And where we're going is, is a place of true excitement for our community and what it means for animals and families. What are some of the most rewarding aspects of your job right now? Well, you know, at the moment, um, I was just able to announce at our board meeting yesterday a, a new million dollar gift that we confirmed as part of our building a humane community. And that's following a two and a half million dollar gift just a couple of weeks ago. And to me, it's rewarding to know that we're making those connections in a meaningful way for donors to see our work um, having that kind of value um, for their support. And with that, you know, that million dollar gift that we announced yesterday, I was just celebrating with our leadership team this morning that, you know, last year they were a new supporter at $10,000. And to me, that is just, it's amazing. And it's exciting to know that we've brought that relationship along in, in such a, a quick uh, timeline and uh, not typical, I must acknowledge, but something to be celebrated. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. And I'm an animal lover. So anything having to do with Michigan Humane, I'm a big supporter. When you were at CMU, just to kind of go back to some of that experience that you gained, what were some of the key things that you were involved with? You were involved with radio, but weren't you also involved with the TV station as well? Mm -hmm, I was. I was. I was definitely more deeply involved with the radio station starting my freshman year. And what I reflect on is, I was a high school student who, you know, received average grades, 
it was, you know, all good. I had a great high school experience, nothing to complain about, but it just, it didn't connect. Um, I didn't find those connections and passions like I did when I arrived at Central. So I got involved with radio. I got, you know, uh, on a radio show weekly. And then I got involved in the executive committee in terms of management of the radio station throughout all the years. And then I also joined uh, the team at uh, the public radio station, WCMU, for a period of time before then getting involved with um, the TV station in terms of uh, more TV, right? And I was an entertainment reporter for a semester. So it was nice that I did have all of those experiences because then it made me more comfortable for those new experiences I was about to engage in when I was involved at PBS. So for instance, I was asked to get involved in being on air talent during fundraising for Detroit Public Television. And I had comfort in knowing that I had done on air um, TV work in college that I'm like, well, I can do that. Right. Um, and I did, I did it for almost 10 years and raising, you know, money locally and nationally across PBS and not having done that experience. It, it might've been a little bit more fearful jumping in. Um, but that's what I found is central gave me those opportunities to have it before you, you go on Broadway. It's the off Broadway experience. Yeah, exactly. And you said that you were involved in WCMU when you were here as well. What were you doing at WCMU? Yeah, I was um, a board op. So I'll never forget, I um, was doing the you know evening shift, maybe from, I don't know, 5.30 to 9 or something, a couple nights a week. And then I was doing the middle of the night shift from like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., and then, you know, the 1.30 a.m., all these crazy hours. And I remember, you know, my roommates were going out and partying. Not that I didn't, but I couldn't go that night because I had to get up, you know, in the middle of the night. And I remember my parents saying, like, what are you making an hour? Like, we'll just give you the 20 bucks a week. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, you don't understand. I said, this is about the experience. This is about, you know, me building my resume and, and being ready for um, you know, the job market and it paid off, right? Those experiences, um, having that paid experience at WCMU in public radio immediately transitioned um, and transferred skills to what I then had just institutional knowledge about public media coming in um, in the PBS system with my work. And then in between, you did radio sales, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? That was a unique one. So I joined WRIF, which is um, the rock station here in town in Detroit. Um, and it had, you know, Drew and Mike, which was, you know, number one morning show. And I was the new kid on the block, you know, fresh out of college early twenties and working to build a, what they call a book of business, right. In um, bringing clients on to advertise. And I was only there for a short period, just about nine months, because honestly, I realized like looking back, I'm like, I was this 22 year old kid sitting down with marketing, you know, teams asking them to spend a thousand dollars for a 60 second spot. And I just didn't have the credibility. You know, I didn't have the know-how to really navigate that space. 
Um, but it was a good experience nonetheless, right? It really kind of um, got me acquainted with a sales team, understanding more of the corporate side of sales before jumping into nonprofit and um, public media in a meaningful way. And it, it gave me, a, I think, a really good perspective of the hustle that's needed because you go into nonprofit and in some cases, there isn't maybe as much hustle as you see in, in the other spaces. I bring the hustle every day and it's what I expect of my team, but it can easily be a culture of this is, you know, nonprofit. We don't do things that way. And, and in having seen the other side of it, you know, in order to, in some cases, build that success and, and build something new and expand, you, you got to think like a business. And so I think that experience was good in providing, you know, that perspective. And then you moved on to Detroit Public Television after that. How did you make that jump from radio sales to public television? I joked there was a culture shock. I mean, I was in radio sales. I was going to strip clubs on Fridays in the afternoon to pick up their check for their their advertising. <laughs> and then I go over to PBS where oh, it's travel, food and wine. And I was like, <laughs> where am I? But I loved it because I said, this is more of where I think I belong. And, you know, I, I love this, this idea of constant learning and, uh, you know, growing. And it was, it was a wonderful experience. And how did your career progress at Detroit Public Television. You were there for quite a while. I was. I was there almost 17 years. And, you know, what's amazing in this industry, by the way, to be anywhere for 17 years. I know. And I started kind of looking around, realizing like everybody's moving somewhere, you know, in two to three years. But I was being, you know, offered new opportunities while I was there every three years. And so I was constantly growing and constantly, um, you know, pushing myself into some new, you know, uncomfortable learning positions. And that's what really kept me there um, for that length of time is, you know, I started in overseeing our national marketing and um, pledge production And then I went into developing programs and really understanding how to build a relationship with somebody, understand what are they looking for? What's a win for them? And then what's a win for us? And how how do we meet in the middle and find that sweet spot? And that's where I I really learned development and understanding, you know, relationship development, building, you know, a plan that works and understanding how you're going to market it. And then how you report success. And that's really what development is at its core. And then from there, um, I was asked to oversee all of development for the organization. And at first I was hesitant. You know, I, I really didn't have a choice. Um, it was, hey, we're going to put you and move you into this role. And I, you know, meanwhile, I was pregnant with my third son and, you know, preparing for maternity leave, my team, my work is all underway and in a great place. And I was asked to take on a space that really wasn't an equal space of success. And so I said, okay, well, I'll give it, you know, in my head, I'll give it two years. We'll see how it goes. Because I knew I loved production. I loved 
you know, building something as a project, seeing it come to fruition and then launching it and then, you know, moving on to the next project and next program. So I was a little weary of what's that going to look like for development from that perspective of, you know, corporate support and foundation support is really what I was asked to lead. And so I came back from maternity and started, you know, that new role and found success in it, um, built a team around it, and then was quickly asked to take on um, major gifts because it's, it's very similar in terms of its nature, relationship management, and then added um, membership which is your annual giving fund and in program. So oversaw all of that for, I think it was a good five years and uh, had great success with it. And what I found is that, yes, I loved the production aspect and I was able to bring the operational understanding of, of how to do that. And then I could communicate that in what I was positioning with supporters. But at the same time, it was really the art of the deal that I found was my passion and I've found, you know, ways to embrace that through development in working with donors. Would you advise students who are listening to this and who are thinking, oh, I'd love to do that. I want to make an impact on the world. I want to help raise funds for causes I believe in. Would you encourage them to go into this line of work? And what skills do you think are most important for them to have? This has been such a rewarding space to be in. I've had family, my husband included, you know, joke with me and, and in some cases tease me and say, Jamie never complains about going to work. You know, I love it and I enjoy it. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that. But at the same time, you got to find like your successes. You've got to, it's, it's self-driven, right? Nobody's going to make you happy. And I think that's one of the challenges I see today is that, you know, I've got team members included where I'm always like, yeah, if I could just change their, their outlook, right? And in some cases you can't, it comes from within. And I, that, that would be my greatest advice um, to students is it's all about what you want in your life and in your career and in setting the bar high to achieve it. But knowing that you're empowered to do that, nobody's going to stand by and wait um, to ask you if you want this job, right? You're asked to take on roles and jobs that you prepare yourself for, um, that you show the grit and um, the work ethic for. And that's what I'm, I'm most thankful in my path is that I was given those opportunities, but I created those opportunities for myself. And um, I hope students see that. As you look back on your career, what are some of your proudest moments? I know you talked about the recent gift at Michigan Humane. Yeah. But over the course of the 20 years since you've been out of school, are there moments that really stand out to you? Yeah, there was. You know, I was... Um, celebrated as a Detroit Cranes 40 under 40. I think I was 33 at the time. And uh, I was recognized for my work on a project with uh, an Italian tenor group, Il Volo, that have gone on um, to great success. And, you know, the experience in building that program and launching it nationally across the country, truly launching um, their career here in the U.S., 
was something really special. Um, it was very challenging. You know, it was having um, worked with uh, Italian management, you know, where you're on the phone at midnight because, well, that's when they're working and uh, you've got other cultures and languages and all kinds of fun stuff. And you're working with their record label, you know, out in LA, you're working with their tour agent in LA and you've got to, you know, serve the needs of 340 PBS stations across the country for this to be successful. And being successful means it's going to raise dollars um, for public television stations. And and bringing that project from nothing as an idea um, to shooting it at the Detroit um, Opera House after, you know, the management, of course, wanted to shoot it in Italy. Um, and bringing that all to fruition was quite an experience and quite a success that I celebrate. Yeah, that's amazing to have that story. I didn't realize that you are responsible, at least in a pretty large way for their success here in the U.S. Yeah, and they've gone on to do three or four additional shows um, with Detroit PBS, even while I was there and well beyond. So um, they've definitely had some great longevity and they continue to be successful today. That's awesome. How is it balancing work and family responsibilities when you're working in the nonprofit sector? Well, you know, I, there's a, there's a lot to unpack with that question. So I have three boys. My youngest is six, my middle is nine and my oldest is 11. And I was traveling the world when um, my oldest was born. Um, he was two years old and I was pregnant with my second. And I was, um, he went to seven countries before he was born, you know, and then I, you know, look back and even though I was, you know, unsure of taking that role in development, it came in at a beautiful time in my life where, you know, I, I come back and have this third child. Then at that point in my traveling across the globe halted, right? I was doing conferences and attending, you know, the Mackinac Policy Conference and going to PBS annual meetings, but that was the extent of it. And so that lifestyle shift was a blessing in disguise. Um, but the reality is, you know, from a, a nonprofit standpoint, I think we are blessed with being able to have it all, right? Where I'm home, um, I, I still have to, you know, attend events at night or on the weekends, but it's all in, you know, balance where, Maybe I am not there, you know, the next day as a result, but you get great vacation time in nonprofits generally, um, wonderful benefits. So there is um, a great value in working that nonprofit space. But at the same time, I mean, I've always pushed myself and, you know, it's a matter of being organized as a mother and running my own household. It's a matter of having an amazing partner who supports that. And, you know, we chose to live in a um, community nearby our parents so they can be available if needed, but we've been able to make it work. And they're at an age now where they're a little bit more self-sufficient and it's getting easier and um, really lucky to have stayed in the workforce. And not that it was ever anything for me, but at the beginning, you know, you question, you know, as a new mother, 
oh my gosh, can I do all of this and still, you know, have a baby? And I remember my husband looking at me and saying, what are you crazy? Like you, you would, you would hate it. You would be so bored. And he was right. (laughs) It would never have worked. (laughs) So how has COVID changed the way that you do your job? So it's interesting. I joined Michigan Humane 45 days before the world shut down. And so that was quite an experience, especially in the space of fundraising. You know, you have a global pandemic that you hadn't, um, the world hadn't contended with in, in how many decades, right? And you go into fundraising and that's not good. Um, when you think of macroeconomics, this is not a good space to be in, but we survived. And I think, you know, one of the culture shocks um, for me was reckoning with the idea of I was used to going to an office every day. I was used to being in person every day and realizing that, oh, I can do my job. You know, I can be effective and we can still raise money and we can do this virtually. And we did. Right. And it all worked out. In the end, we actually raised more support for the organization than we had in years prior when you take out a state giving, right, which I see as more passive support versus active and proactive support where you're actually asking somebody, you know, to make a gift. And so that was a success. And we've continued to show increases in our overall giving. And so our mix right now as an organization um, for my team is it's a hybrid model. There's some folks that need to be in person based on their role. Um, We're also finding that some folks need to be in person just based on their own ability to be effective, right? And in some cases that's in person and having a space to go to. In other cases, people can do that completely virtually, but I'm generally in front of people, you know, a good number of days a week. And then I work to catch up on my follow-up and do that, you know, on select days where I'm working from home. But it was definitely a value. I had to help um, oversee three kids through virtual learning. And so the ability to be able to work from home as, um, as difficult as it was, was also something I was really thankful for. Do you still keep in touch with any of the other students from Central uh, that you were friends with back in the day? Do you still talk at all, maybe through social media? Yeah, so definitely I'm on Facebook with a number of my broadcasts and cinematic art student colleagues and um, my roommates from college my best friends. So I just came back from a girl's trip in January with them where we meet up and we celebrate our friendship and our sisterhood and talk to them all the time. But yeah, very thankful for those relationships. Any last advice that you'd have for students who are looking at possibly majoring in broadcast and cinematic arts or who are students at the university now Just in general, what should they know as they start to leave the college environment and go out into the working world? Yeah, my my advice for any student, you know, given the opportunity to be there at Central is to take it all in, right? Experience as much as you can, participate in as much as you can so that you have those comforts leaving that, you know, you've done something and you'll 
you won't regret it because it'll come in handy. You never know where you're going to land and how that experience is going to help you. But, you know, I would also recommend that students realize that they're empowered, right? But you got to chase, you got to chase that power down. You got to put in the hard work and you got to put in those experiences and um, you got to know where you want to go and, and what you want out of um, your career and your life and, you know, set that path in motion. That's great advice. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Well, so great to reconnect with you, Patty. I appreciate the invite. That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.